0: or for us, but before we get into it, we have to continue with the celebration of pastor appreciation. And there was someone very special who wasn't able to make it last week, so this week we're going to appreciate her as she comes forward. Will you give it up for Laura Morales? There you go with her beautiful baby boy. I'm going to ask for a microphone for her, and then I'll have this microphone be given because I want two or three of you to testify about how Lauda has impacted your life. But I want to start off by saying thank you so much. Thank you. You have been an amazing leader, a great example to the women in the church, but also a leader to me and to my family. And what is always key to a great leader is the team that they make in the marriage. And so as Lauda has accepted the call, went to Bible college to be a pastor, her husband, John, has done what it takes to be a governing elder. So can we give it up for John Morales? (laughs) Amen. And thank you for all the support that you give her and the time that you allow her to sacrifice as she does her duties at home and works in your business. My wife and I believe that Lauda and John came at just the right time to be a blessing to our church. And what you see is that the Lord brings leaders into your life for reasons and seasons. Everybody say reasons and seasons. And so what I want you to think about is who has God brought into your life for those reasons and seasons? When John and Lauda came into our life, it was right at the peak of when our church was starting to grow here after having come back from our Irving Park debacle, trying to get another facility there. It didn't work. But God was blessing us here, and they didn't want to get lost in the crowd, and so they made time to hang out with me, or I made time to hang out with you guys, but I remember it right by my office door. Do you remember that time? Right over there. And I heard their story, and I remember tears coming in their eyes as they talked about being burnt out in church, and how they had a great testimony of being in church, and they thank God for their past experiences in those churches, but towards the tail end, it was just a lot of work, a lot of pouring out, and not so much being poured in. And so this is what I shared with them. I said, and I knew at this time, I could tell by looking at them, that they're, as a pastor, they're the kind of leaders that you want. These are the kind of people that you do want to give responsibility to, but I remember looking at them saying... I don't want anything from you. I want you to be in the church, remember? And I said, I just want you to receive. I want you to grow. I want you to take your time. I want the healing to come. And when the Lord is ready... You'll be here, I will be here, and I know he'll do great things through you. And I'm talking faithful, faithful, faithful. Somebody say faithful. This wonderful couple were faithful, 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 and God was using them in mighty ways. And then before you know it, that time came. And so you go from this place of where you are here to there. And so often we want to rush our here to our there without understanding the process. Somebody say the process. And that's why I, as a leader, always give time for God to work. And if you are in the process, you'll come out from here to there better than you were here. Are you listening? And so they went through that process, and it was amazing. And they didn't complain, and and they knew it was part of their their process. to, To make them leaders, they didn't have to rush into anything. But then COVID happened and BLM riots and a whole lot of things in our church. And I want to share this with you because oftentimes you as a pastor ask me, who speaks to you, Joe? Who keeps you accountable? Who's there for you? Well, during our time of confusion, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't always understand what to do. There were some key people in my life that stuck by my wife and I, not out of loyalty to a person, but out of loyalty to the cause and to the church of God, and didn't see me just as a leader, but saw me as a friend, saw me as a... Christian, a disciple that needed love. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. So often pastors say, I no, I don't have anybody. I you know, no one cares about me. I'm always caring about others. I, I'm not saying their story is not true, but so often when I look at those pastors in those uh, those ministries, it's because they guarded themselves and kept themselves away from their leaders that their leaders couldn't speak into their hearts. Well, long story short. Our address was published online, as well as the Rioscos', and death threats were given to us. And how many know if you get a death threat in Chicago, you take it serious? <laughs> you know, they'll kill you and not know you. You know what I'm saying? If they know you and they already have a reason not to like you, and now they say they're going to kill you, come on, somebody. So my wife and I, with our family and the two Riosco families, we headed out. And we were driving, and 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 there was a part of me that was probably a little bit manic in the moment. Like I'm trying to praise God and see God's hand that He's gonna protect us and get us out and something good is gonna come out of it. But at the same time, I'm scared, right? Like I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what this is going to be. And I just remember Lauda talking to me while others, and this is not to shame others, but while others were only thinking about themselves, they were only thinking about the threats that they were receiving. And and It's honest. It's true. A lot of leaders were getting doxxed. All of our uh, names were online. People were getting death threats themselves or at least being threatened or their addresses were being uh, published online and people were calling up their bosses and so forth. So it was intense. But at those times, brothers and sisters, you need a faithful person. See, the Bible says many proclaim their faithfulness, but a true friend or a faithful friend who can find. You know, who can find one like that? Would you please put up that scripture for me, Brother Lauren? Help them if you need to. So during that time, they didn't just see me and my wife as somebody, oh, that's just Pastor Joe, whatever they think is fine, just let them go. We'll worry about ourselves. No, she was concerned about me. Come on. She was concerned about me. And she spoke to me so softly, so gently, but it was so powerful. She said, who are you talking to? Have you called up your pastors? And then I said, I haven't yet. We're in the middle of this. I haven't yet. And then she said something along the lines of, well, make sure you do and also make sure to get alone with Jesus. Come on, somebody. I needed to hear that. Get alone with Jesus. I needed to stop and hear from Jesus because all I was in at that time was like a whirlwind of emotion and fear. And so when I finally got... My, uh, thank you, brothers. When I finally got safe into that hotel and the Riascos were safe and my family was safe, I was in my bed, and now I said, okay, Jesus, talk to me. What, what do I need to do here? What is the plan? And God said to me, you need to go back to Chicago. You have gotten the Riascos out. You have stood by their side. This is what the Lord spoke to me. You have been a loyal friend and a loyal pastor to them. You have guarded them, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you are, you are able now to go back because they are safe, to go back. And I remember going back to the church and having to say, okay, I'm starting to hear from God. And I just want to be very honest with you right now. I have never been more hurt through the gracelessness of leaders in my life than I was at that time. I was held to a standard of scrutiny and of judgment that I had never held any of our leaders to at that time. Well, why did you change your mind? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? And I am in tears, brothers and sisters. Some of you were in that meeting and can testify to that. I am in tears saying, forgive me for anything I have done. I am taking time to hear from God. This is what the Lord has now spoken to me. He'll give us 30 days of reprieve. No one make rash decisions. See what the Lord will do in our midst. And then guess what God did after that? He kept his word. Peace came to our church, peace came to those who stayed, and we were able to move on with everybody understand this, with our integrity and our courage intact. Some people had integrity but no courage. Are you listening to me? And some had courage, but they weren't willing to do the integrous thing and let God fight their battles. And so I speak to her and, and Lauda here on behalf of my wife and I, and I say thank you. Because without relationships like that, brothers and sisters. We will be led astray. It wasn't time to abandon your pastor, and it wasn't time to be overly critical with the pastor. Look at what the Bible says. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Now I'm thankful for her life and for her family's life. We just want you guys can feel free to come on up. But here's what that meant to me. What it meant to me, and can we get a chair for John as well, please? What that meant to me, I will always remember for the rest of my life. And then, everybody say, and then. And then I got to see her giftings with other people this past year, because during that time, I believe you guys were just deacons. Not to say just, we love and honor our deacons, but there wasn't even a senior leadership at that time. And so then over the years after COVID, she had her Bible college degree, and that is required to be an on-staff pastor with us, and she felt the call of ministry on her life, even though she does a hundred other things in her life, but she wanted that in this, this church, and the Bible says, whoever sets your heart on doing these things desires a noble task, and so we appointed her as, as a pastor, and she began to work in the ministry, and so, you know, uh, teaching 201 and counseling and leading Bible studies and being there for the church. But it wasn't until a 201 evaluation was happening when I was sitting in the office. And I want you guys to hear me. We have wonderful counselors. We have Pastor Griselda and Berto who are over the counseling. We have the Syinskys, They do an amazing job. But I remember sitting in the office as she was counseling the members that were there. And I said to myself, I thank God that Lauda is here with us. The advice, the patience, the sternness and the boldness, yet present, (laughs) encouraged me to the point where I said to myself, if this, because you know, a 201 evaluation, for those who don't know, is in our discipleship process and becoming a disciple, we do discipleship as opposed to just membership. Okay, it's very similar, but we call it discipleship because it's more integrated into your life, more personal. When I saw her doing that in that 201 evaluation, there was a piece That came over my heart because as a pastor, you kind of feel like you have to do everything or you have to be in everybody's business. And when the problems hit your desk, because they're always sent up to our desk, and we will hear them when they're usually at their worst because if it didn't get settled early on, it gets passed up. When I saw her doing that counseling, a peace came into my heart and said, all right, God's people are being shepherded here And I know I I talked about this last week. I ended up going on a whole rabbit trail. ended up changing the whole message about women in the ministry. I could not imagine sitting down a lauda saying, you could not counsel a husband. You could not have authority in that meeting because you are a woman. The advice and the counsel she was giving to that married couple was as good as any man would ever give you. Amen. Her wisdom her knowledge, her experience, and yet, as we talk about in the Bible, in her husband, uh, in her marriage, she submits to her husband. Why? Because think about it. Every place that God puts us, there's a role. In the church, it's elders and deacons that can be male or female. Just like on your job, there can be male and female managers. There are roles for that. But in the home, the roles are by your gender. The roles are by a gender, and so you can't change your gender. So a husband's role will always be a leader's role over the family, but they can lead as equals. Can I hear an amen to that? But in the church, some people have tried to say, well, that's a gender role too. If you're not a man, you can't lead. But that is not true, as we showed last week, and if you are interested in that, go and check that out. So I know that I've been long-winded with this because I cannot thank them enough for their faithfulness when it mattered. The times that it's counted, they've been by my side, and then when I see them giving that advice to others, when I say this to you, and oftentimes I say it teasing, and I know that people who are close to me know when I say these things, I'm actually more harder on myself than is true. Like like I'll say, you want her to counsel you, trust me, because if I counsel you, you ain't going to like it, you know what I'm saying? But in all honesty, I counsel them. Like, Joe, what do you do? Why well, I counsel the pastors, the elders. I'm there in their lives and encouragement, right? So I'm not a meanie. I don't think I'm a bad guy. But I do, I do tease myself a lot because I hear people's responses to that, and I'm self-aware. Somebody say self-aware. I know how people can receive me. But I want to share this with you as we get ready to hear from her. And then, like I said, in just a few moments, I want at least two or three of you guys to testify about your interaction with, with her. Is that when you see somebody in their gift, You see somebody doing what they're called to do because that's going to be our message in just a moment because each one of us have a place in the body. It is like watching a Michael Jordan play basketball. When you're watching Des and the team lead worship, isn't that like watching like a band, like a concert, like amazing skill? Not like you're just watching it as a spectator, but isn't it amazing to watch the instrumental people up here? because they're gifted, right? And then some of you, you've been to churches, and it's not that they can't make a joyful noise to the Lord, because who are we to judge? But how many know sometimes it's hard for some churches or some bands or some groups to come out with a good sound, okay? So you're appreciative when you see it, right? Or you hear it, rather. And it's the same thing. How many know a Bible study is good, no matter who's teaching, because it's a Bible study? But how many know you've been in Bible studies, where you just walk away, and you're like, man, that was good. That teacher is gifted. They took the their time to really divest uh, into the word and to give it to me. That's what I feel about the Moraleses as a team, and then specifically about Lauda. And so often in the church, you're rushing to come talk to me. You're rushing to go get my advice. As I teased a little bit last week, uh, we were doing an evangelism, and one of the young ladies uh, got to hang out with us afterward, and, and she was sharing a little bit of her story. And, and then she said, and it's so good to tell you this, Pastor, because I don't really get to talk to you very much. And I just let her say all those things, but I, but I teasingly wanted to say back, and that's a good thing, sister, that your 46-year-old married pastor doesn't hang out with your 20-year-old self. You know, and I know she knows that, so I don't mean that in any bad way because she's here right now. You, you know, I love her, but but I'm just saying, like, sometimes people think because I have the microphone, here I am, that I'm gonna do every other thing in the church as good as I'm doing this. Like, Joe, you're good at that, you're good at writing books, so that must mean you're gonna be amazing when we sit down for counseling. I don't think I held a candle to Lauda when it comes to counseling, I think that I would go to, to her counsel. If I, if I had a choice, why? Because there are people in that gifting, and there are people that are there to, to use that gifting, and when you watch them, it's like watching a Michael Jordan, and th- this is what I loved about her because I had to be in that office before the service started, so they were finishing up their counseling, and after literally she gave like the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, she's like, and pastor, do you have anything to add? Come on, somebody, that's humility, you know what I'm saying? That is like humility. That's like, man, you just dunked the ball, took the three-point, you did everything. Now there's like two seconds left in the game, and you're like, you want the ball. And I'm just like bouncing it back. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. You just keep shooting, just take the last shot. Because brothers and sisters, if we all know our role, if we all know where we're supposed to be, that's how we can be with each other without jealousy. I didn't sit in that meeting and go, oh, man. If that's how good she is and people are coming to her for advice, man, at some point they might think that she's more anointed than Nancy or John's better than me or something. No, no. I'm thinking, praise God. We have this wonderful couple and this powerful pastor pouring out her life to us. And then when she said, do I have anything to add? It's like, no, because we don't need to say, you know, the Bible says two or three witnesses. And that's good in the sense of getting a confirmation. But you, my brothers or sisters, don't need to be in doubt when someone in leadership has helped you to now say, well, I doubt it, and now I need to go check it with somebody else. Yeah, it's good to get a confirmation. And so my confirmation was yes and amen. You, you have your witness. So there's two or three. We, we, we have spoken to this married couple now. Here, go and do it, you know. So brothers and sisters, please pray for them. Lift them up because they work full-time. They're full-time parents. They have businesses. And you know, what was remarkable to me is that some of the folks that were leaving were not even in the position to lose a kind of business that, that John was especially in the position to lose. And yet he still stayed. He was faithful. And then through COVID and through that, his business increased. He was busy online. God used him. God did so many things. And we won't give too many details in case there's still haters watching. You know, we now keep them on the download, what God does with our leaders here. But God blessed their business, God blessed their family, God made them fruitful. And so here's the connection. When you're in the place that God has you to be and you're doing what He's asked you to do. It's not just here on Sunday when we kind of do live action role-playing, LARPing, you know, as they do for Comic-Con, you know, who's Batman, and this was like kind of like the Halloween thing. No, this is not just, I pretend to be a pastor on Sunday, and then I just go back into my world out there, and I do that worldly stuff. No, these are leaders of leaders, and brothers or sisters, we cannot take them for granted. Amen? Will you give it up for Lauda as she gets ready to share? Tell us some good things about your life, the struggles, the good, the bad, the ugly, or just testify. We want to hear from you.
1: Wow. What up? Good to see you guys. Good morning. I want to testify about the goodness of God Come in on. this church because the, the school that I went to is worldwide the best education you can ever get, and yet they don't believe in women pastors. And so for the Lord to place me here under a leadership that cares and acknowledges and encourages and pushes us to do what the Lord has called us to do, whether male or female, is just such a gift that I will never take for granted. And so for the women in this room and the girls in this room, this is where you want to be, right? This is where you wanna be because it's such a gift to be able to share my gifts with you. And, and, and I know I'm not just the only one that gets to do that, right? And I also, when I'm up here and I, and I look around the room, this church is so special. I see dads being dads. I see men being men. It's so beautiful and I don't get to see that anywhere else in culture or any, any place really. So what I'm saying is it's being in this church is such a gift, and I love serving God and loving all of you. And it's just it's a privilege.
0: Two or three of you come up here quickly. Line on up. I see Tina coming. Yes, Jack Hay. All right, all sisters today. Awesome. So I'll give it to Jocelyn first. Thank you.
1: Laura, I want to thank you for all your time and all your pouring into me that you've done. I was just thinking the other day how... I've grown a lot more with you in just a few years than I did at, my, at the church I grew up in, being there more than 10 years. Um, I, I, I was thinking like, if I had Laura in my life to, to pastor me, to pour into me, to guide me, like all the things I wouldn't have had to gone through. Um, and I thank you um, that even now, like at home where there's no voice of truth, no voice of grace, um, your voice in my life, your presence in my life is a voice of truth and a voice of grace and a voice of encouragement. And I'm just so grateful for you and I don't take it for granted. Thank you. I just want to start off with saying thank you. Um, In in a lot of seasons of my life, you've helped a lot. And I know I've mentioned a couple. Um, But in the most current season is um, where she has a book club we're reading about theology in the book and it's so encouraging to have another sister that loves the word like that and that you can encourage each other in that way because as she was saying a lot of a lot of women are not encouraged to learn the word in that way and um, I'm, I'm emotional because I'm pregnant and I also <laughs> love her because <laughs> it's it's not that emotional but I am um But I remember when I was in Bible college, um, the ones that I could only relate to were the men because they were so into the word. And I'm like, but they would kind of push me aside because I'm a woman. So then it was like hard to like, well, I want to read the word, too, and I want to dig in. And so now I get to do that with you and the group, and it's been so encouraging, and I've been growing so much, and I just, I love it, but. Throughout the whole, like even this year it was, I got encouraged um, in how to embrace my femininity and try to be better as a woman and then just seeing you as a mom and then going through that with you as well. I just love you. Thank you so much.
2: Laura, you're so beautiful. And I don't say that just in your physical, but in your deepest insides and just everything that you do. Um, I work with you closely with the 201, and just watching you be a leader there, but not just there, anywhere you go. um, It's been amazing, and it's been such a privilege to follow that. And so your your sweet, you know, voice, and you're helping me through, even, even besides that part, you've seen me at my ugliest, and you've helped me through my ugliest, and that's something that's special because coming from a lifestyle of, you know, get her away from me, and, you know, I don't want to hear that you just come and you're, you're saying, no, come here. Like, I'll hug you. It's okay. Don't worry. You can get through this. But so your pastoring me personally is amazing, watching you in leadership and just thrive in your position and just um, see you be the woman of confidence that you're called to be is amazing, and it's helping me to be that person. We love you. Ben?
3: Lauda and John, our family just loves you so much. You are some of our first friends when we first came to MPI, having dinner with you guys. And looking back, I don't think I realized how special those times were and how much I truly cherish you as friends, as people that we can go to. John, I know you have walked with Will through different things, and I just appreciate it so deeply and so greatly. And Laura, just our friendship and seeing you be pregnant these two beautiful kids, has really just shaped my pregnancy and has influenced me greatly. And just seeing how you are a mom and such a great wife and a business owner and running these powerful businesses, and if anyone is into beautiful earrings and clothes, please see Laura to host a party. <laughs> but I have truly enjoyed just being your friend and being in your book club, and I just think back to like when we were going through Bait of Satan and just how, how impactful that book was, on my life, but it wasn't just the book, it was also sitting with you and talking through these things and not feeling like you were ever going to, you never like caught me somewhere and I felt like I was in trouble, you've always been someone that I can just talk with and I can trust that you aren't going to yell at me, you're not going to be mean, I feel very safe with you, which is, it's so important and if you guys don't know Lada and John, just get to know them because they are valuable, they are sweet and I'm just so thankful for both of you
0: awesome amen so the beauty of the church is that most of the time the women pastors will interact with the women because that's going to be natural just like the men interacting with the men but as you notice when the woman interacts with the woman it doesn't just affect her in her femininity and with those things that are like how to be a woman it also gives them theology Doctrine, And that's why we need women pastors. And then when Lauda preaches, she preaches to all of us. When she counsels the marriages, she's counseling both male and female. And once again, what a powerful testimony to how God uses female leadership. And I did think that was kind of funny. God has a sense of humor that he brought you to that school and then brought you to this church. Because, uh, yeah, those young ladies at that church, uh, at that Bible school, will have a lot of opportunities to work in a certain field. But you generally won't see them step out into pastors unless they join a church like like this, and and then it's almost like, why are they learning so much doctrine then, you know, why are they doing all of that, And, and to their credit, they'll say, well, we're just trying to prepare them for the things they can do. But when you learn, like uh, Lauda does our 201, when you're learning the doctrine from her, how many have been in that 201 class? That is amazing teaching, right? Like you're being taught. So to lessen that in any way, I just think is is such a detriment to the body of Christ. And as I've said before, it's like racing a unicycle versus a bicycle with two wheels. We're not giving up our our mighty women in the ministry. Amen? Amen. So let's stand up together, body of Christ, as they stand up. We're going to pray and bless them. They've received their gifts this week as well as a nice bonus in their bank account. It's from your generosity. But I'm going to ask if you guys would stand right here and then the rest of the elders and deacons would come around you. We just want to pray and bless you guys. Guys, come up on the stage. Let's pray for them. I'm going to have um, just a few of you bless them and encourage them. So let's have Cynthia Rodon go first and then I'll have Rudy uh, close us out.
4: Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this powerful family. This powerful team, Lord God, that not only feeds us, Lord God, spiritually, Lord God, but also so humbly, Jesus. She is always so willing, Lord, with her loving words, Lord God, and her stern character, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for that healthy balance, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because that's a reflection of you, Jesus. So I thank you in advance what you're going to do for their family, Lord God, in this church and it's my privilege, Lord, Lord, to serve under them, Lord. I call them a sister, and I call them a brother. I call her a friend. So thank you, Lord, in advance for Macy and the baby, Lord God. We thank you so much for what you're doing in this church while you build family. Thank you, Lord. In your son's mighty name I pray, amen.
5: Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, so much. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing family, Lord. Thank you for them setting an example of faithfulness, Lord, of strength, of courage, of wisdom, Lord, that we all could look up to, Lord. And many people that are coming in the church can look up to this uh, couple that shines bright for you in, in, in your kingdom, Lord. Lord, I thank you that wherever they go, they're kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded, even in their workplaces and the, and the ideas they have in the businesses they start. Lord, they're always kingdom-focused, Lord. How they could bring you glory with their time and, and giftings, Lord. I just pray that in the church that you would, you would just continue to bless their hands, that you would continue to prepare their hands, prepare their minds, prepare their hearts for what you have for them in the future. Because, God, I know that this is just the beginning for them. God, you have so much more. So much more for them to to do because they're faithful. And and if they've been faithful with little, your word says you'll give them much, God. So I just pray that they would uh, continue to have faith in that word, that that their time has just begun in, in, in in the efforts they do for your kingdom. I pray that they would never look back, but keep their hand on the plow, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, all God's people said. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16. Somebody say the church. Amen. Amen. What you just saw today was a demonstration, thank you my brother, of honor in the church. Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. We're in a sermon series about the church. We're on part 10 just in case you're keeping count. I don't know what part we'll get to by the time the Lord wraps it up for us, but we are going to be faithful to his word to get all into the details In chapter 16 of Matthew, you see that Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? The disciples respond with some of the corny answers that the people had at that time. Some say John the Baptist, Elijah, still others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Jesus said, uh, and then Peter responded, rather you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now Jesus blesses Peter, and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are what? Peter, everybody say his new name, Peter, thank you, his original name was Simon, but I call you now Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to think about whose church this is. Who does the church belong to? It belongs to Jesus. So we ought to be careful when we talk about the church. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, and it's the bride of Christ, Do you think uh, you can talk about somebody's body and get away with it lightly? Do you think you can talk about somebody's spouse and get away with it lightly? So we need to be careful when we talk about the church. Jesus has corrected his church, and he'll use us to do it at times. Yes, he will, but he'll still honor his church. Back in the day of the Roman Catholic Reformation, some people were saying that the church is a whore, but she's also my mother, so I have to love her. God have mercy. The church of Jesus Christ is not a whore. This was said by both Protestants and Catholics to talk about how they would deal with the issues. The body of Christ is a pure and blameless, spotless body. Even despite her mistakes and her failures, God covers her with his righteousness and forgiveness. And when those continue to act in wickedness, they show that they're actually outside of the body of Christ. In other words, if they're not acting like Christ, if they're not in a marriage relationship to Christ, then they're not truly the church. So there may be some hoeing going on, some whoredom in the church, but it's not of the church. Can I hear an amen to that? Well, what about Christians when they own slaves? No true Christian ever did. I'm not trying to make that as a blanket excuse because true Christians have made mistakes. I know that as a fact. But I'm saying when you look at the behavior, the doctrines that led to some of the greatest atrocities in the church, you could not be a Christian and do those kinds of things. Could anybody right now be convinced as a Christian to own another man and to treat him as an animal? You you couldn't be. To, To view a person that way, you would have to have a cultish version of Christianity Hence, there always being an abolition movement. When you look back to the early Christians in the Roman Empire, they ended the slavery of Rome. How stupid was it of them to then bring it back through certain conquistadors and certain cultish movements? It was the Christian church that ended infanticide, the throwing away of your children. Look it up when you have time. Christians have been battling for the born and the unborn ever since the beginning, The Christians started what we now know as the orphanage, of course, also the scientific method in the university, but we also started orphanages. Many times, secular historians give the credit to the church of bringing about the charity that now every world uh, government takes for granted. Sometimes you talk to your atheist friends, and they think it's normal For there to be an equality among the people groups. That was not normal in Rome where they had come from. Rome had occupied Jerusalem. That's why I keep bringing up Rome during the time of Jesus. Remember, it was the Romans that crucified Jesus. It was not looked upon that all people were made equally, your leaders were your gods. And the different races were looked down upon depending on what nation you were in. If you were in the Persian nation, thinking about the 300, you know, if you were with them, then you looked down on the other nations. If you were in Rome, you looked down on the other nations. It was a big deal what nation you were from. And yet you read in our Bible, there's neither Jew nor Greek, Scythian or barbarian, slave or free, all are one in Christ. That was revolutionary. Now do you understand why certain slave owners during the time of the 1700s, 1800s had to make a slave Bible different from the actual Bible to promote their cultish behavior because they couldn't have the African reading this and thinking that it was justifiable to own a slave. Learn about the slave Bible. Brothers and sisters, yes, the church has made mistakes, but it didn't come from the church. It came from false believers in the church. The true body of Christ has reached Ethiopia, has reached the continents, uh, the nations of Europe, have reached Asia and Southeast Asia. The church has reached all around the globe from Central and South America. And there is one body of Christ, one new race inside the Christ race, the God race. We are a new creation. Are you listening to me? So are you my brother and sister? Yes, you are. Because we are a new creation, a new created order. Now those who call themselves Italians or Polish are not my people. My people are not those who necessarily look like me, eat like me, and talk like me. My people aren't the United States of America. Miley Cyrus is not my sister. The Jersey Shore are not my people. Are you listening? My people are Peter, Paul, James, and John, and Daryl, and, and the others in this church, and Calvin. Jesus even said that when people came to him. They said, hey, your mother and your, your family's out there. You need to go out there because they needed something. And then Jesus looked around to the disciples, and he says, who's my mother or brother or sister? It's those who do the will of God. The Christian church is made up of those who honor the word of God, who live by the word of God, and don't allow the things of this world to distract them. We may not agree on everything. We may have different ways of doing certain things. And even among different local churches, there may be differences. But if the name of Christ is being preached, if the Bible is being believed, those are our brothers and sisters. Amen? So now it's time for you to find your place in that body. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, would you put up the chart for them, please, brother? I want them to look at this. I want you to see this chart that I gave you in your notes, because this is important to understand how God sees the body of Christ. We're going to learn in just a few moments in that passage, in 1 Corinthians twelve 8, we're going to learn that as a body has different parts, so does the church. So I want you to think about the different ways that we have body or parts in the church. There's going to be spiritual giftings. And by the way, all of this is available to the body of Christ. Everybody here can be a part of this. There is no thing on this list that you are not able to be a part of, whether male or female, young or old, educated or not. It does not matter. Can I hear an amen to that? But what you will see in the body of Christ is there will be people in the spiritual gifts, though they have access to all the nine of them, there will be certain ones that begin to stand out. And the same thing is those who want to start to serve in the ministry, though I could be whatever God wants me to be, you'll start to see things like evangelism stick out in my life or being a pastor, and this will happen in your life if you want to be in the ministry. All of this is available, but the Lord will begin to develop them. And then there's this other list that a lot of people don't know about. It's from Romans 12. That kind of ties together this this spirituality of our gifts, that it's not just the things that we think about on Sunday, that it's like distinguishing of spirits so we can cast out demons or faith and healings or or an evangelist apostle. There's also spiritual gifts that have to do with being a leader. Just the gift of being a leader could be a spiritual gift or being generous. And you may think to yourself, well, I know of great leaders out in the world. I know of generous people out in the world, but this is in the body of Christ where God anoints you to do something. If you're looking at the world, oftentimes the leaders have certain things in common. And so you may be given a personality test, you know, on your job or something. And you may not follow uh, the, the path of being a leader there, so they'll, you, know, you don't have the same attributes that a leader should have, so they might keep you where you're at on your job. They may not promote you. But That's not how it works in the body of Christ. How many know God has chosen some people to be leaders that we would have overlooked? Remember Samuel when he was looking for a king? All the children came out, and David, they said, Man, you can just stay out there, keep tending the flock. We don't need you. We got this. But as Samuel's looking for the king, he says to Jesse, These are your boys? (laughs) And Jesse's like, Well, man, I got one more out here. He's crazy, man. This one out here, he's always playing video games, staying up all night. No, I'm kidding. He's always he's he's the young one. No, he's out there worshiping all the time. He's got his head in the clouds. Who knows what's going on in, in Jesse's mind? But Jesse didn't bring him out there. Didn't think highly enough of his own son to bring him. And then what happens when Samuel sees him? That's the one. Because God does not look at the outside. He looks at the inside. And so when you see here in this Romans 12 list, we'll we'll try to get into all of it today. We'll see how much time we have by God's grace. Some of you might think, you know, you're just looking it over going, okay, well, I can see, you know, I like to teach, so I might be a teacher. And, you know, I've always liked prophecy, so maybe I'll have this gift. And, you know, uh, maybe over here I'm just a nice person, so, you know, I have the gift of mercy. That's not how it works. What you do is you come to the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus and you say, Anoint me with the boom shakalaka power, and you put upon me what you want me to do. And then when God puts it upon you, don't argue with them. Because remember Moses? I'm j- 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 just, just, just a st- st- stutterer. I, 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 I can't go. And God's like, Who gave man his mouth? I made your mouth. And out of mercy, I'll still send Aaron with you, but if you remember in the times that go into the future, Aaron becomes a rebel against him multiple times. Aaron makes the golden calf. Aaron doubts his leadership when he wants to marry an Ethiopian, and then he gets cursed. I mean, all this trouble is coming because he put Aaron in a spot that God did just to make him feel better. God will allow you to do that at times. God is a good God, and he'll even let you mess things up every now and then. Yes, how nice God is. Amen? Some of y'all can say, now you're talking about my ex-husband. You're talking about my ex-wife. Yeah, God will let you mess stuff up. He will. He'll let you do it, but he'll be there to redeem you in the situation. God still used Aaron. God brought good out of it. But if you listen to to the conversation that he had with Moses, that wasn't the first plan. So don't look at this list and say to yourself, well, I, I see where I'm at, and that must be where I'm at. No, go to the Lord. Because if you were asking me when I was in Bible college where I would have been at, it would have been everything but a pastor. Seriously, be in one place, talk to one congregation week after week. No, man, I'm an evangelist. I want to go out there and plant churches like an apostle. I want to teach people, you know, in Bible college. One thing I don't want to do is be a pastor and deal with the sheep every week. Get me going from one class to the other. Get me going from one congregation to the other, one crusade to the next. But God says, nope, I called you to be a pastor. But God, everybody says, I'm mean. I'm not nice. I'm going to make you nice. Come on. How many think God's been working on me, getting nicer? I asked my wife the, uh, the other day. I said, what do you think has changed about me almost uh, the 20 years that you've known me? And she said, you're getting nicer. Amen. So I'm going to take my, words, my wife's word over your word if you don't like me. But I'm just being real with you. It's not easy to look at the thing that God tells you in the immediate. You get intimidated. You feel like, man, God chose somebody else. Remember God dealing with Gideon? He sends the angel of the Lord to him. And what does the angel of the Lord call Gideon from moment one? Mighty warrior. Does anybody read the Bible here? You don't just read it on Sundays, do you? How many know the story of Gideon? It's okay if you know. We got a lot of new people here, but some of of y'all need to help me preach. What does the angel of the Lord call in moment one? Mighty warrior. There's no way you're talking to me, God. The Bible says he was out hiding his beans in the field. This guy's so scared of the enemy, he's out there in his little bean farm hiding everything. He then goes through all of the reasons why he can't be a mighty warrior while he's talking to an angel. Sometimes people are like, man, if I met God, I met an angel, I would believe. No, man, you'd be just like people in the Bible arguing with them. Look at Pharaoh's army. He sees the whole miracle, and yet he still rushes into the Red Sea. What kind of fool does that? A hard-hearted fool, and people are foolish all the time, and like Mr. T, what? I pity the fool. It's like, oh, if I see God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all good. Now you'll probably try to crucify him like they did Jesus. You'll probably argue with the angel like Gideon did. That's why I love our Bible. Our Bible doesn't give you a false impression of humanity. It would be a false impression if every time an angel showed up, it was like, ah, and then the person became immediately obedient and did everything perfectly right, then all of us would have an excuse, like, God, I don't have an angel here, you know, I only got my pastor telling me to do stuff, so unless you send me an angel, I won't be as obedient as so-and-so. But no, the Bible shows us that there's disobedience in the face of angels, Gideon starts to say, I am the least member of my tribe, of the tribe that is the least among the tribes of Israel. I have nothing to offer you. And then he asks God to do a fleece. And then God proves himself to him over and over again. And even throughout Gideon's life, he has to have God do these things for him. And yet God still considered him what? A mighty, what did he consider him? Warrior. So what are mighty warriors according to the Bible? Are they just massive be- beasts in the gym making gains all the time? Strong, independent women, got it all figured out. You're my mighty warrior. I'm just picking out the ones on the outside. No. Mighty warriors can be the least of these. Mighty warriors can be those that are doubting themselves right now. The next mighty warrior in this church could be a single mom showing up today as a visitor, and God could be saying, I'm the one, I- I'm the one that empowers you. I'm going to use you to start the next Metro Praise. Come on, somebody. It could be the one we think of the least. That's what God always does. even when you look at the nation of Israel and pray for them during this time. They've always been the least nation. I compare them to Egypt. They're nothing compared to Egypt, yet God brings Egypt to its knees. They're nothing compared to Babylon. They're nothing compared to Assyria. And yet God says, I will bring you out, and those nations will be destroyed. Have you been to Babylon lately? Have you heard of a king from Babylon lately? God said after they did that, they were done. And yet Israel is still surviving. Praise God. He takes the least. He took Peter, even in our story today. Peter starts off giving the right answer, but what happens further on in Matthew chapter 16? Jesus tells now the plans of the Messiah. What the Messiah needs to do is to be crucified, raised again from the dead, and then be the ruling king. So the pathway for Jesus to be the king of kings is he was going to be the scum of the earth, the servant of the world. He was going to be humiliated. And what does Peter say to Jesus? No, no, I forbid that, Lord. No, Jesus, you can't do that. And then what does Jesus call Peter? Satan. He went from getting the star next to his name to wearing the dunce cap being put in the corner of the room, and the dunce cap said, I'm acting like Satan. Could you imagine that? But that's what it's like with God and his leaders. God is always choosing the unlikely, the ones that people would overlook. You're sitting in a church like that today. I was not the smartest. I was a high school dropout. The only love that I had for reading was for reading the back of cereal boxes. I'm being honest with you. You never caught me reading unless I was reading the back of a cereal box. That's all I read. After school, that's all I cared about was hanging out with my friends, partying. I never read a book unless I was sitting down eating cereal. That was it. And yet God called me to become a doctorate, to start a Bible college, to write 20 books. I believe the reason why he does that is to shame the devil, is to show the devil, look what I can do. I can use the least of mine to bring down the greatest of yours. Quickly go with me to 1 Corinthians. We'll go uh, to chapter 1 before we go to 12. How many are encouraged today? Amen. Let the Lord use you in the body of Christ. That's why I'm very careful when I talk to people about their calling and their ministry. I remember I went to work for a larger church out of, out of uh, coming from New Orleans here to Chicago. And I love this pastor, and I don't mean anything against him if you know the church I'm referring to. I won't name the name. But I remember sitting down with the pastor in one of his meetings. He was like, Joe, I need you to sit down with me in one of these meetings. So I came and sat down with him. And there was a man that was distraught there. He had a master's degree in Bible, and he was teaching at a, uh, a principal, rather, of a Christian school in, in our area. And he was distraught, and I could tell that I just came into one of those meetings like, oh no, (laughs) pastor needs me here. Okay, I'm a witness. I'm here. What do I need to do, you know? And and the conversation went something like this. Well, why can't I lead the Bible study? Why can't I do this and that? I've been here in this church longer than you because the pastor had only been there a year or so, and this man had been developed in that church. And the long story short, the pastor basically said, I had been to the Bible study, and I don't think you're good at teaching. The man that he was saying he didn't think was good at teaching had more education than he did, had been in the church longer than him. So then eventually the man comes and meets with me. The meeting ends, and the guy comes and meets with me because I'm the youth pastor. He hears me preaching all the time that God can do anything and that all things are possible. And he basically comes to me, and he's just like, what am I supposed to do? I'm a part of a church for the last 20 years, living holy, married to my wife, raising my kids, the principal of a school, and I've been told by my pastor who has less education than me, been in the church less than me, that I don't have the calling to teach. I said, brother, this is your church. You got to listen to your pastor. And I just just said, man, I'll pray for you, but I can't change any. I wasn't going to be rebellious. But I remember seeing him after he left that church years later and I had left that church. I said, brother, man, I'm sorry I didn't do more for you. I mean, there's one thing in submitting. It's another thing. I should have spoke up for him. I feel embarrassed now even telling that story. I mean, have we gotten to the point in the Christian church that we have so many leaders, we need to take the ones that want to be leaders and not have them lead? But see, this pastor, and I never got the full story from him because I didn't work there very long, had just an idea of what someone was supposed to be, and he shut down all of the Bible studies, and there was no more Bible studies because he didn't think any of them were prepared, so he only taught on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's why we don't have a midweek here. Guys, I don't want to keep you always in in this church listening to me when when there's so many talented Bible study leaders here. If you haven't gone to the buffet of Metro Praise Life Groups, you need to go and travel around a little bit. Come on. I'm, I'm telling you, it's like the grub hub for your soul, man. This week, we're going to do this style. Next week, we're going to do that style. We're going to pray about which one we're going to be in. I'm promising you, you will be so amazed at the gifts here. That's why, nothing against midweek services, but I know your schedule. If I also had a midweek to teach again, or a Sunday night as the old school was, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, you hear three times from me. When do you hear from the leaders? And so long story short, when you look at what God chooses and uses, it's not what big churches are looking for. It's not what... Uh, people are judging you by compared to others like, well, I was a part of this church and the woman who led the Bible study was this kind of a speaker and she was this kind of anointing and you don't have it so you can't do that. No, that's not what we're looking for. In the body of Christ, it's who's available. Can I hear somebody say available? available? Thank you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at what it teaches us here. Verse 6. It says, "We do, however, speak a message of, of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and the, that God doesn't for our glory before time began. How many can say God's wisdom? Amen. Go on down just a little bit more in chapter 2 and listen to this. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. We have one of our young evangelists, men of God that's graduated Bible college, that's now a pastoral intern preaching this morning, TJ, if you think of him, pray for the anointing upon his life. He was so excited to share that with me because it's, it's amazing to see people in our ministry get raised up and go out and preach. And one of the first things that I said to him is, make sure you record that and send it to me. Why? Because I want to hear his words of wisdom. I want to hear him speak what the Lord gives. It's not now a competition between me and this brother, you know, who who has more wisdom. Well, I have the the doctorate degree, and he just has the bachelor's degree, so he must be way down there. I don't need to listen to what Brother TJ's preaching this morning. No, I do. He's in my life. I I need it. I have to grow by it, because it's not things taught by men that we grow by. It's things taught by the Spirit. It's things that the Holy Spirit puts in your words and in your mouth. Seriously, they asked one theologian, I can't remember because I've listened to so many of them, but one theologian, they said, who is the greatest theologian you've ever met? Who is the wisest person you've ever been around? And he said, it was my Christian mom. Never went to Bible college, but she showed me Christianity in her life, the way she prayed, the way she loved Jesus one theologian another one at the end of his life they said what is the most profound thing you've learned through all of your studies they I think this man knew multiple languages you know three or four different languages and he said this is the most profound thing I've learned after my whole life of study Jesus loves me this I know for the bible tells me so have we got past that No, I could talk about the love of God for the rest of the time I'm a pastor and still not come to the depths of it, the heights of it, the width of it, the breadth of it. So brother or sister, don't be intimidated by how others may be better speakers than you or others may uh, have more wisdom than you or be more eloquent than you. That's not even what Paul said he was. When they were trying to take away his church from him and they were fighting in Corinthians, he said, man, I'm not even of a good speech to you. You have people much better than me at speech. But I'm not relying upon their judgments. Look at this. I'm relying upon the Spirit. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject merely to human judgments. Like, oh, I don't think you're called. You know, people used to make human judgments about me all the time. And I'm not saying godly leaders uh, won't always be wrong in their way of helping us. And sometimes we got to be patient. But I'm just talking about people full-on discouraged me from using my gifts. And the Bible says, who are they to judge me? I remember when I had resigned from that larger church... And I was here in Chicago kind of as a transplant, was born and raised in Indiana to 18, went to Bible college in New Orleans, and then pastored there, so my time was there for about eight years. So then I come to Chicago to work in a church, only there for a few months, and then now I'm, you know, I'm here. And I'm like, what do I do? So I started meeting with various churches from different denominations, and brother, you may not even believe this, but I sat down with one man across the table, and I told him my story, and he said to me, I don't even think you're called in the ministry, I, I, can't, I mean, I can't even understand how anyone would ever say that, let alone a pastor. I'm having one of the hardest seasons of my life, and his response to me is, I don't think you're called. Man, how do you know what I am? You just met me over a lunch. I don't know all the details, but I heard that that man ended up having an inappropriate relationship with a woman. He's not even in ministry. Maybe you were talking to yourself, Jack. I know I'm called. I'm still here. Amen. You just, you got to know what God says. You got to know what God says about you. Go back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 26 in the same understanding of this thought. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one will boast before him. Somebody say, no one. You ever talk to some Christians and they get to taking God's boast and put it on them in their church? It's like, I've heard you mention your pastor five times. How come you ain't mentioned Jesus yet? I've heard you talk about your worship leader 10 times. How come you haven't talked about the Holy Ghost yet? Well, we just built this building, and Bishop so-and-so, it's been amazing, and we had this conference, and then, oh, I don't know if you've got this book, but you need this book. Only book I need is right here from Genesis to Revelation. I always mess with some of my friends because when they tell me they got a book from the Lord, I say, did it come from Jesus? Oh, yeah, it came from Jesus. Oh, it's all about Jesus, and it's all about his. Oh, yeah, he just downloaded it to me. He, he just gave it all to me. So it's from the Lord. It's a word from the Oh, it's a word from the Lord. So you're giving it away then, right? Because I ain't never seen a prophet get a word from the Lord that charged somebody to get it. Oh well, 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 I went to school and I had to put in work, and they need to, you know, they need to, you know, receive it by giving. And oh, hold on, I thought you said it was a word from the Lord. See, that's why all of our books. If you can donate, so we can keep giving them out, because obviously they're not free for everybody. We have to pay for them, but we'll give them away free till we can't anymore. Why? Because we believe people need it. Because it's a word from the Lord. But it's, that's how my friends are. And it's the same thing with the people in the church. Oh, we built this big building. We built this. We built this. Okay, where's God in it? Then? Oh, yeah. Well God, well, God did it. God did it. Well, you said a lot of we in there. What, 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 who gets the glory here? The, the problem is we can do a lot of stuff, and to the point it's just a bunch of do, 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 do. I'm not looking for a bunch of do, do in the church. I'm not looking for a mega mess. I, I want to see a mega work of God. But brothers or sisters, Paul wrote this for a reason, because all of us are not going to be a megachurch pastor. If that's just what you think the greatest thing ministry is, we're all not going to be that. That's going to be like a percent of a percent of a percent, but that's not how the gospel goes forward. If we're waiting just to hand the baton to another church, man, you're going to be disappointed. Another megachurch, you're going to be disappointed. The gospel spreads to you and I as the salt of the earth, a nameless and faceless people who decrease that he might increase. It doesn't matter if they know our names. It's that they know the name of Jesus. And yes, God can do a wonderful work, and and that's why we want 100,000 and all of these wonderful things. But I don't have to lead it. I don't have to be the leader. I'm just doing what God called me to do. If Jason is the next pastor, let's serve Jason. I remember being on the West Side, and I, uh, we're going to be going again by God's grace this Thanksgiving. We partner with the West Side Baptist Church out there, and we feed the needy and the community. Thanksgiving, put it in your mind. We'll be announcing it soon by God's grace. And I loved it because they kind of had a hall of faith. And when we walked in, I saw this sister right there starting off the pictures. And I was like, man, who, who is this wonderful sister right here? And, and he said, that's the founder of the church. And son just hit me in my spirit, and I'm like, I got to know more about this woman. And so the pastor began to tell me the story of how this woman came to this neighborhood, started a church with a storefront, nothing, and then kept growing it. And people would come and go. And yet one day, a, a young man walked in, and she had a prophetic word and spoke to that young man and said, One day you'll pastor this church. I believe it was the first time he was ever there, and she said, You will pastor this church. The man said, That was me. He's been pastoring it now for like 20 years. I'm like, this is amazing. And yet, like I said, we're waiting for the next big thing to happen. And yet, brothers and sisters, let's be honest with us. How many have we already seen the big big things blow in and blow up? You come in, you blow in, you blow up, you blow out. I just got a text today about another big ministry that has accusations against it. Do you see how easy it would be for the devil to take everybody out if he just kept picking off these mega churches? Then we'd all be lost. The church never grew that way. It wasn't dependent upon a large personality. That's why we say to the pope, nope, we don't need him. We got the scripture because then it only takes a few years and you see popes doing crazy things. I talked to the Catholic uh, the other day. I was witnessing. He was trying to argue with me. He was an informed Catholic, so he wasn't one of those wishy-washy Catholics. He knew what he believed. And then I asked him, I said, do you even think the pope's right? Do you think he's a Catholic? And he said, no, I don't even think the pope's right right now. I'm like, you sound like us Protestants. We're, we're trying to reform what you are still a part of. Well, I'm not like you, but I don't think I have a Christian pope right now. Think about how messed up that is. That's what they look up to, and now they have to make an excuse. No, that's not here. Find yourself godly leadership and be a part of it, and you be a godly leader. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. How many are ready for the message? Look at your neighbor and say, get ready for the sermon. Amen. Here it is. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form how many bodies? One One body. Thank you. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of how many? Many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how many know that would be gross? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many many parts, but how many bodies? One body. Now go to verse 27, and please take your time to read through the rest on your time. Now you are the what? Body of Christ. Let me say the body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say you are a fine part of the body of Christ. Now be Christian. Be Christian. Let's not get in trouble right here. And make sure if you sit next to somebody's wife, you don't start a fight. Okay? You fine, baby. You fine. I'm married, Jack. Listen, you are a fine and beautiful part of the body of Christ, every single one of us. Notice how he said Jews and Gentiles. That includes the whole planet. To, To the Jewish people, that's them, and then the Gentiles, that's everybody that's not them. And how many know even they were racist? Even they were ethnocentric? Hence the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan flips the Jewish understanding of loving your neighbor right on its head. He purposely made their people out to be the bad guys and made the Samaritan, the one they were oppressing and being racist to, to be the good guy. But notice just how ridiculous that would even be, to be for the Jewish person to be that way. They're oppressed by the Roman. So the Roman thinks they're a dog. And then they're like, I'm not a dog. The Samaritan's a dog. Then the Samaritan walks around, finds somebody else. You're the dog. And then somebody actually looks at the dog, you're the dog, and then the Chihuahua, I mean the, the Rottweiler says it's Chihuahua, Chihuahua, you're the dog, you know. It's like they keep putting each other down until who's left? The Bible teaches us that we're one race, the human race, and that here you see the seeds of, of abolition, of slavery, slave or free. Remember when he said, slaves obey your masters, that wasn't Kuta Kinte to obey getting beat every morning as you saw in those movies. No, this was obey your master as you obey Christ, and masters treat your slaves as Christ is your master. Do you see that in the Bible? Christ is our master. We are Christ's slaves, so if we work with each other, then it's to be in those kind of relationships out of respect. So how anyone could ever read our Bible and think otherwise is obviously outside of Christianity. Anyone who reads this Bible and is a racist is outside of Christianity. And now you see the Hebrew Israelite black racist saying that white people are Edom and we're all devils. That came from like the nation of Islam. You obviously are not reading the Bible. And then there's been white supremacists in this nation There still are today. They're obviously not reading the Bible. You're also anti-Semite and the whole Bible is written by Jewish people. And they call themselves Christian. What kind of special, (laughs) I was going to say something, but I'm not. What kind of um, Oompa Loompa says something like that? Amen. I was going to say special kind of stupid. Can you guys hear the word stupid in church? Okay, we can hear that. But what kind of special kind of stupid are you to be an anti-Semite and call yourself a Christian? That was like the German Nazis. Many of them consider themselves Christians while they're butchering Jews. How many know that's not the body of Christ? That is of the synagogue of Satan. And let me just show you that real quick so you can understand there's, there's the real Christ and then there's false Christ. How many understand that? There's a real gospel and then there's a false gospel. But how many also understand there's a real church and then there's a false church? Okay, let me just show you that. Go to Revelation chapter 2 quickly. Just so you can understand. Well, they called themselves Christian. Well, It doesn't matter. I've called myself a millionaire before and I'm not one yet. Can I hear an amen to that? Come on. you, you know, Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. Look at Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. The angel of the, to the church of, in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are what? They say they are Jews and are not, but are of the what? Sin of God, of Satan. Now go to John chapter 8. So not everyone that was on God's side or supposedly a Jew was really living like a Jew. They were the synagogue of Satan, children of the devil. Go to John chapter uh, uh, 8 and see that he calls them children of the devil. So if it's the same thing there, it's going to be the same thing as it is now. How many have met fake people in the church before? Amen. Does that mean you stopped believing in what God said? No. Have you stopped going to get food because you went to a bad restaurant? No, of course not. Now notice this right here. He says to them, if, you were of, if, you, if the God was your father, you would listen and obey me. But since God is not your father, you're not listening and obeying me. And then they try to say in verse 41, well, we only have one father, that's God. Now listen to what Jesus says. If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come from him. I have not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, who? The devil. See, he set them straight. Yeah, you can say you're from the Jewish lineage. You can show that in your DNA. But if you're not showing it in your heart, you're not really a child of God. So brothers or sisters, don't let people from the synagogue of Satan discourage you about the church. I remember when I first became a Christian early on as a young adult, our youth pastor had come from out of town and started a new youth group in our town and he was an amazing person, and I got on fire as a young adult because my kids, uh, my parents made me come to church, and as I was there, I, I got baptized, and I thought I was really going to live this out. And then they asked us to go start school clubs in our high schools, and there was me and was one other dude, and, and so we go to get it started, and it's starting to work, and, uh, and I just remember him pointing to that guy saying, he's going to be the leader, and, and man, that was not a big deal. Somebody say, it's not a big deal, but, but I got bitter over that. Because I thought I was a better leader. And you might say, man, well, well, did you get over it? No, I left that day, went and smoked weed and got high. When he said, I mean, that's how bitter I got. I was shocked at how quick I went back to the devil. Literally, my friends, as I was out drinking with them that night, partying as a young adult, they said, I thought you were a Christian now. And I'm like, I'm not. And then they asked me to tell them why, and I tell them the story. And it's like you could almost tell that they looked at me like I was stupid. Like, you stopped going to church because you couldn't lead a Christian club. What is wrong with you, dude? But here's the the 40. Let's drink it. And I remember shooting craps, and I lost everything that night, even my hat. Seriously, I lost everything. It was like that was my worst night of my life in one sense. But did it stop me? No, I just went off and did my own thing. So that's why when I watch people get bitter in the church, I get it. The devil's a liar. If you listen to the devil, you will become bitter over things. I'm, I'm serious with you. I've had people leave the church because I didn't do such and such a thing for them. Become bitter, leave the church. Then they come back to the church, and I do another thing to them, and they leave the church. Brothers or sisters, if you're that easily offended, you probably don't know Jesus very well. If you can be thrown off your game by one thing a pastor does, that's not a sin. I'm talking about like sinning, right? If it's not a sin, if it's not false doctrine, probably you're not right with God. You have to find a good church that you're a part of and that they're going to put up with your stank as you're putting up with their stank. How many know everybody's breath stinks at some point? How many know, come on, let's be honest. I'm I'm putting up with your stank attitude at times. You're going to have to put up with mine. Unless, you're less, unless you think I can never have a bad day. Oh, well, we can all have a bad day, but pastors can never have a bad day. The Bible says they're held to a higher standard. That's true. So I shouldn't always have a bad day. But some, some of y'all don't even give me grace. I had one woman tell somebody, well, he said this to me one time, that he didn't think I had a good question or something like that, you know, in some Bible study. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, that offended you that I didn't, appreciate the question you had to ask or something? Like, man, I've done a thousand Bible studies. One time I say something you don't like, you out the church, God have mercy on you. Do, do I say to you, I don't want to pastor you when you do something dumb in my Bible study? Kick this sister out the church. She just did something dumb in the Bible study. What would happen if pastors acted like that? Seriously, if we acted, I know some probably do act that petty, but imagine if pastors acted that petty. Get this person out the church. Why? Because they looked at me wrong. I said hi to this person, they didn't say hi back to me, get them out the church. I tried to call them one day to help me clean the church and they weren't available, get them out the church. Well, I called the pastor, I called the whatever, and they didn't get back to me. We will always apologize for that. We have a 24-hour rule, trust me. But if you're out the church for that, why don't I kick out everybody here that's not responding to me in 24 hours? Come on, people. We got to grow up in the body of Christ. Somebody said we got to grow up before he throws up. Sometimes God is sickened by our behavior in the church, but he doesn't turn his back on us. God is not always happy with the way we act, but he's not going to throw us out. And brothers or sisters, this doesn't give an excuse. Please hear me today of not doing things in excellence. This does not give us an excuse. We have to hold each other accountable. But what it does is it needs to take away our, our attitude and our pride so that we can serve one another. Would you please put back up the chart, and we'll end here, uh, Daryl, for today by God's grace. And this week, I want you to do your homework. Please look at the app or the website and start to pray and ask God, where are you at here? Because next week, by God's grace, I want to list these out and talk about them. I don't give the gifts. What I do, everyone get this, what I do is acknowledge the gifts as a pastor, as a leader. Your Bible study leader doesn't give you the gifts. They acknowledge it. So let's say you're going to the Bible study and you feel that you're really gifted in prophecy and you want to be able to speak words to people that are from the heart of God. Well, speak that to your leader and hopefully our leaders will do you better than the church I worked at that said, we don't even think you're called, you know. I, 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 how many believe here that you trust that we're here to empower you to do ministry? Have we proven that to you in this church? Amen. I don't think there's anybody that could say they held me back from ministry that, that didn't have some major sin in their life. Even then, sometimes people confess to me. I had a brother confess to me the other day while we were out evangelizing. He said, man, I looked at pornography this week. I just got to get it out my chest, off my chest and, you know, be right with God. I didn't say to him, well, then go home, dude, you cut from the team. I said, listen, I'm going to pray for you now just so you can have encouragement. But I want you to do me a favor so you're not a hypocrite. If you're ever preaching today and lust comes up, tell them your testimony. See? What would they need to say then? They would tell that person, man, you know what? Lusting is not of God. And sometimes I struggle, but I ask God to forgive me. How many think that would encourage somebody on the street? I I did ask him at the end of the day if it had come up, but I trusted him. Because why? We're not cutting you. We believe in you. You came out. You want to do the work of the ministry. How many know God didn't give up on Peter? You talk about being betrayed. Jesus was getting crucified, and Peter betrayed him three times. That's why we should have forgiveness for everybody. Even the ones that I was talking about in the leadership team before that let me down when Lauda was there to help me. I forgive every one of them. If any one of them walked through this door today, I would receive them as my friend and bring them back into this church and let them keep working for Jesus. Why? Because we're not here to hold each other's issues against each other. We're not here to look down on each other. We're here to support each other. Just look at this list on the spiritual gift side. These are things that are gonna be used To help win souls and encourage the church. Look at the service gift side. These are going to be gifts that you're going to use if you have a calling to start helping people in the church. Like you want to lead a Bible study. You want to be in the ministry. You don't have to do this uh, uh, to go to Bible college to do this here. Our deacons and elders can do these things. The pastoral elders are just the ones that are the professionals of those groups. But everyone is available to do that. And then lastly, look at the passage there in Romans and see like what things do you, do you desire or come natural or things that God is putting on your heart to do. So if I already have the gift of leadership, like I knew that from when I was a young kid. Like my house was always the house and my friends were always kind of following my ideas of doing things because I always hung around older kids. So I had a gift of leadership. I remember one time giving a speech like in elementary school. I can't even remember what, what it was on. But after the speech and everybody did their thing, one of the kids raised the hands and said, can we hear Joe's again? How many know I have a gift then? All right, I'll come and do my speech again. They asked me to come back. and I just remember that because I knew that was something I was good at, right? Okay, so if there's things you're already good at, then ask the Lord to show you how to use them. But then guess what? Because mercy doesn't come natural to me, I don't just scratch that off the list and go, that must not be for me. No, I go and pray. And I say, Lord, I see there's some things you've given me already and I'm supposed to use them for you. But what are things I don't see that I may be missing? And when you come back here, Lord willing, next week, let's start to learn about those things because that's the body of Christ. If you were to look at it like a body, each one of us would have different parts. Some are gonna be the ears, some are gonna be the eyes, the fingers, the toes, the organs. And, and I love this. If you don't show up, because I've always heard this in church and I believe it now more than ever, if you don't show up and be faithful in a church, then that church is going to lack that part until the Lord replaces you. And so this may not be everybody's church, but it's somebody's. And if you're called here, then you're the hand. And if you don't show up next week, you give up on your Bible study, you give up on the youth, then where's that hand going to be? Can one hand clap? (laughs) No, you can't do it. Where's that eye going to be? Sometimes people criticize the church, but they're supposed to be there as a gift of a teacher and a leader, but they don't stay long enough to use their gifts. Well, pastor, I visited your church, and I saw this issue and that issue. Okay, but did you still pray if the Lord wanted you here? Because maybe you were a part of the change. Maybe you're part of the growth. You see all these children running around. You know why we don't have a children's ministry anymore? Because the majority of parents said, we're tired of being back there with all your baby kids. We want to be here. But now you might say, I'm tired of seeing all these kids run around. I want to be a children's minister. Okay, stick around the church a little while. I'm sure somebody will go back there with you. But you get my point? Some people may not come back to the church because they see children running around. Well, maybe you're called to start a children's ministry. I've had this is one of the most silliest things that I've seen. I'm so grateful for our sisters in the back. The Aguelas for Jesus is what we call them. Because over the years, I've had people always say this to me. Oh, I wish there was more older people here, as they're an older person. And I'm like, why don't you stay for a while, and then there'll be one? Because we'll never have a bunch of older people unless there's at least one. So sometimes people will come here. Well, I wish there was more of my culture here. I'm Polish. I'm this. I'm that. Okay, well, how about you come? You be the first Polish person, and then two or three other Polish people will come. Then you can have a Polish Bible study. I'm being serious. I've had some Polish people tell me that. My last name is Wodostek. They want me to be more Polish for them because we're in a Polish neighborhood. Spondembogum, God bless you, right? So I try to tell them, listen, if you go look for a Polish church, and that's all we're going to be, here's the Polish church. Here's the Indian church, you know, from India. Here's the Middle Eastern church, the Arabic church. Is that how the body of Christ is supposed to be? We're supposed to be here with all of our different cultures. We're supposed to integrate with each other. The African culture and the different nations there need to be with the European cultures. And the African and European need to be with the Asian and Southeast Asian cultures. Otherwise, we're missing the rainbow of Christ. And then our children grow up and go to school, and then they see everybody go to the same club. I mean, every now and then you'll see a Polish club, but how many know there's pretty much just clubs that everybody goes to? I know there's a few Latino clubs, a few Polish clubs. I think the Polish club is right down the road on diversity over there. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But other than that, how many know they're going to go to, how about this? They're going to go to the same Cubs game. They're going to go to the same this. They're going to watch the same movies. So the world, in other words, in some way is going to show us how all to get together. And yet in our churches, we're all going to be segregated. No, come on. God have mercy. I need the Latino culture. I need the Asian culture. I need the African culture. I need what God is doing in the European culture. I need what God is doing around the world in this church because this city needs to be reached. All the nations are blessed by God for the gospel's sake right now. Each one of them can have the blessing of God, and God is moving among those people. Will you join with me? And will you start in this body of Christ? Start inviting your friends, invite your culture, invite your next-door neighbors the first thing, i this is in closing here, one of the first thing I thought was weird is how when I was dating my wife or family's from Greece, every time we went out to eat, we went to a Greek restaurant. I'm like, don't you all have enough Greek food at home? But these are our people. This is our people. We eat Greek food. And then God, as my witness, when we would go to another Greek restaurant, they would be like, this Greek restaurant is the best Greek restaurant. You told me that last week. You told me that like no 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 Joey no 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 this Greek restaurant the saganaki the Yiro, this is the best. I took my yaya yeah, yeah, I took my mother-in-law Greek mother-in-law to Chili's once. She was in Chili's like, mm, what is this? Seriously, she did not like Chili's. I'm like, have you eaten anything other than Greek food since you've been in America? Now, you might laugh. I had some of my African-American pastor friends come to Chicago, and I'm thinking, I understand you. We've hung out quite a bit. You you can trust me. I took them to a Greek restaurant. They light the cheese on fire. How many know, you've seen that before? They they light the cheese on fire. My African-American pastor friends are like, all man, we don't want this. I'm like, at least try it. You should have seen them taking it like this. Where's my wife? Get my wife to testify. They're both the same. Both cultures had never interacted with each other. How many are glad your appetite helps you interact with other cultures? How many like Euros, but you're not Greek? Come on, how many like pizza, but you're not Italian? Come on, how many like tacos, but you're not Latino? Hello? Where's my wife at? Is she still here? Grab her for me, please. Nancy, come up here. Nancy, do you remember when we took the Howells out to the Greek restaurant, Central Heroes? Were you offended that they didn't like your Greek? (laughs) You know what? I brought my Indian neighbor. uh, They were they were going to school to be doctors. I brought them to my Greek family's house for like a Christmas or Easter dinner or something, just to treat them like you know like they were family. They're vegetarians. But God bless this Indian young man. He ate as much as my mother in law told him to eat. He ate the, food, uh, the meat, he ate everything. Do you know what he did? He threw up at the table. You want to talk about insulting Yaya, yeah, yeah. but Yaya, yeah, yeah. eat, 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 eat. This guy's a vegetarian. You're feeding him lamb, you're feeding him this, you're feeding him that. Threw up at the table. But I was like, hey, man, at least you tried, bro. God bless you because I'm going to take some of you guys to Indian restaurants. When I was in India one time, I was eating stuff. God, as my witness, the Indian people were looking at me like, yo, you are good. You are good, man. Look at you. Nobody really eats all that when they first come. I had to throw up myself. Within a few minutes, I said, where's the bathroom? My stomach was not used. At first, it was tasting good, and I was just eating it. Then I put something on my lips that that I've never tasted in my entire life. But how many know you need to try it first? You need to be willing to go where you've never gone before to do what you've never done. Let's all stand up together today. Can we bless the Lord for the church? Come on, let's bless the Lord today. Nancy, would you stay up here, please? Band and altar worker, would you come? If you're not in the body of Christ yet, you need to be born again. Do that now. Let's pray. Father, I pray for anyone that doesn't know and love you yet, hasn't been born again, that they'll do so even today. That, Lord, they'll repent of their sins and be born again. If you're not a Christian, look at your heart. What are you living for? If you're not living for God, you're living for something else. Put God first today. Repent of your sins. Those of us who are already Christians, if you're living for Jesus, raise up your hands and begin to thank him for the life he's given you. Come on, begin to thank him and now ask him to pour his gifts upon you to use you for his glory. In a few moments, we're going to dismiss. Altar workers will be up here to pray for you if you want to accept Christ or need healing, something going on in your life. That's for everybody. But we want to make sure that we're asking the anointing of the Spirit to gift us, not by human wisdom, not by human effort, but by the power of God. Jesus, use us for your glory. Lord, I even ask in my... Uh, 46 years soon to, soon to be 47 that you bring out new gifts and talents and abilities I've never seen before if you did it once you can do it again pray for your friends and family right now to receive those gifts come on Lord I want to be a teacher so I can teach my friends and family Lord I want to be a prophet to speak your word to my pe- uh, friends on the job see it's all going to go to you and through you a few moments before we go God we ask you to appoint us and anoint us to the where you want us to be to do what you want us to